Sox fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones, and we have a good show for you this week. The Ducks have turned it around, winning their last uh, two out of three games, playing much better. We're going to recap those games. We're going to talk about the uh, coming week's games as well. We've also got plenty of fan questions from you about Perry and Getzloff and Richie and uh, Lindholm and Raquel and everything. So we're going to go over all of that. We also have some updates on Raquel and Lindholm as well for you. We're going to talk a little bit about Solani and how he did in the Heritage Classic. And uh, we're going to get through all of that, hopefully, in this show. And we'll start off, we'll go back to the road trip uh, where we left off on our last show. The Ducks had you know, started out the season not doing so well. And unfortunately, they kept that <laughs> trend against the Devils. They, they played a great first period, uh, built the lead 1-0 on a Sammy Botnan goal, uh, power play goal. But then in the second period, the Ducks uh, got into some serious uh, penalty trouble. They took uh, five penalties. Uh, Taylor Hall took over, scoring twice on a power play. And the Ducks couldn't rally in the third, and they lost this game two to one, Eddie. Yeah, it was disappointing. I think they, like you said, they they played a pretty good first period. Uh, you know, no mistakes. They got a power play goal, and they go into the second, and the penalties started flooding in, and and this seemed to be a trend at least for this game. And obviously, we'll talk about the Flyers game too. And they they started, they kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And, and to be fair, uh, they were you know deserving culprits on on, on most of the penalties. Um, and you know the Devils cashed in. Taylor Hall got his first and, and second goal as a as a New Jersey Devil, um, and the Ducks just couldn't get back into it from there. Um, you know Schneider uh, played good throughout the game. You know the Ducks didn't really put too many shots on him. Um, they seemed to kind of be off their game after those two goals. It kind of you know set them back, and, and I think they let the uh, the penalty trouble get to them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, the Ducks were able to score on the power play, you know, early on, but like we said, the penalties uh, kind of killed them, and I, I think frustration kind of set in, and we kind of saw the old Ducks team where, you know, in the past we had seen where they take too many penalties, and and then you know they take one or two, and then and then frustration sets in. They're reaching for the puck, or they're hooking, or they're doing little little maybe lazy plays, or or, or maybe uh, you know plays where they're just not playing through uh, their checks or, or on defense or whatnot, and so. The second period was really a killer in this one. Um, you know, the Ducks tried to rally in the third period. Um, you know, they they peppered the goalie nine to five in this one, and uh, it just didn't work out. They they tried to rally and tried to get back, and they ended up losing by one. Uh, you know, even pulled the goalie at the end, and they just couldn't get it done. It was such a close game, but uh, like you said, Eddie, it was re- it really came down to the second period in this game. I, I thought the Ducks played uh, a decent game in periods one and two. Uh, they still won the faceoff battle. Um, but, um, you know, just came up short in this game. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's something we talked about all last season, even the season before that and, and how second periods were just an issue for the ducks. And I think it is different this year. It wasn't so much penalty trouble. Uh, the last few seasons, it was just bad play. It was like they would come out and they'd play amazing in the first and amazing in the third. And then a whole new, another team would come up for the second period. I don't think that was necessarily the case in this game. I think they just got into penalty trouble, and that, and obviously we saw that with New Jersey scoring two goals on on the power play. So, you know, I think all in all they had a, a pretty good game, and you know, other than goaltending from the Devils, really this the second period, and and like you we've mentioned is is just getting the penalty trouble. I mean, they the New Jersey had seven power plays this game, so 
you know that that's something you can't do against any team. You know, New Jersey's not going to score a ton of goals on you, but when you give them seven chances, you know they they made them count. They scored two and ended up winning the game. Yeah, not to be outdone in this game. The uh, the next game against the Flyers was almost a carbon copy in the first uh, you know thirty thirty five minutes. Maybe uh, the Ducks played a good first period. Uh, against the Flyers, you had Chris Wagner. He scored finally his first goal as a Duck. You know, he had those four goals with uh, Colorado. So he was able to punch one in, uh, which was good to see for him. And then the second period came around again, and we saw the same thing. The Ducks got, uh, you know, shorthanded in this period six times, uh, and we saw Philly take the lead. They scored twice and uh, went up 2-1. to one. But the difference in this game was, uh, you know, Corey Perry came back. Uh, scored a goal late in the second. Then uh, Ryan Garbett with that awesome pass from Holzer uh, in the third period. And the Ducks held on and won this one, Eddie. So this one was, uh, you know, it started out the same as the game against the uh, Devils, but the Ducks turned it around the uh, second half of the game. Yeah, and, and one thing we talked about and, and we've heard other people talk about as well is the Ducks needed to start getting depth scoring, and that was an issue for them in the first few games of the season. And obviously you get a goal from Wagner, you get a goal from Garbett. I mean, you get two passes from guys you wouldn't expect to make passes. You get a, a nice drop pass from Bull for Wagner, and you get a insane pass from uh, from the back of the net by by a Holzer, which you wouldn't expect from him. And and you just get two goals from, from guys you don't get goals from every night. Obviously Perry gets back on the scoreboard again. You know he kind of he kind of blasts it from a space you don't expect a slap shot, but uh, I mean, Getzlaff had I was uh, applying the pick there, so you, uh, you know a nice decision uh, for for Perry to take the slap shot there, and you know I think everything just came together in this game. They they had a rough second period, like you said, another game where they ended up taking seven penalties uh, as a whole. Obviously, you said six in in the second period here, which really hurt them. Uh, you know they were able to kill off all of them except for the one. Uh, where Simmons ended up scoring, and then the play where where Matt Reed came in wasn't on the power play, but you know disappointing there. But I think Perry being able to get that goal late in the second period was huge for them to go in to the third period, you know, tied at two. I think was huge for them. Yeah, I agree. I think the momentum switched back in the Ducks' favor there at the end of the second period. You know, ending up two-two there, and then uh, Garbert getting the game winner in the third. Uh, you know, the, the one of the stories for the Ducks, too, this season, and we'll talk about in the Vancouver game, too, is, you know, the Ducks in the face-off circle. I mean, they've just been crushing it. In this game, they were at 61% uh, to the Flyers' 39. And on the season, the Ducks are number one in the league. They're just below 60% uh, in face-off. So, I mean, they've been killing it. Uh, you know, they're 598 on the season uh, after this last game against uh, Vancouver. And you've seen the guys like Getzloff and Vermette and Kessler just, I mean, just taking it to the other teams. I mean, they've just done very well on the Ducks. Uh, Vermette and Kessler over 60%, and and you've seen Getzloff just under 60%. He's been, you know, 57 So, I mean, those are some great numbers, and I really think that's what's helping the Ducks. Is You know, they've been winning the face-offs, and then the key has just been, you know, able to make that next pass and control the possession after that, which they had some trouble in the first couple games. But it seemed like in this game, and, and we'll talk about the Vancouver game too, that that was really a key, Eddie, is the Ducks are uh, not only winning the faceoff, but carrying the puck into the uh, other team's zone and, and, you know, and making some plays. Yeah, and, and that's what's really changed. And, and I think it's been in these last three games too. I think they actually did it pretty well against New Jersey. Um, you know, barring the second period, I think they started to do it. We saw a lot more of it against Philadelphia. They're playing more physical. Everybody's playing physical. You know, a guy... Like Vaughn, who you wouldn't expect to play physical, he's playing physical on the boards. We're seeing a lot from Manson, who's really impressed me so far as well. You know, even Fowler, um, and a lot of the forwards too. They're just they're making 
they're being physical. They're they're hitting a lot, but they're they're making good hits. They're you know I mean they're they're making hits that knocks the pucks loose. They're forechecking hard, and and I think like you said, winning the face off and being able to keep that possession. I think that's been a big part of their game so far. And, and as one of the our writers mentioned to us to, today, I can't remember who mentioned it, but they said that our possession numbers had jumped up. We were in the the low, like, I think the the low twenty bottom half of the league. We've jumped up to ninth now over these last two games. And and you've seen that. You've seen the product of that against Philadelphia. Obviously, we saw it against Vancouver, which I think was their best game of the season so far. And you know that's a, been a really big thing for them. And I think if they can keep this going, we're going to start seeing them dominate more games and being able to actually come out with a result. Yeah, and then speaking of coming out with a result, you know, the Ducks had their season opener against Vancouver, and you had a Vancouver team that, you know, not necessarily playing, you know, super uh, at a high level, but, you know, they came into this game uh, 4-0-1. and They had trailed in four of the five games. They had come back to win three of them, and then they had lost in a shootout to L.A. the night before. So they come into Anaheim undefeated, and the Ducks just take it right to them. Uh, you know, right off the bat, Cogliano scores uh, 33 seconds into the game, uh, his uh, team-leading uh, third goal, which, uh, you know, Vancouver gets back in, in it and ties it up. But then you have uh, Fowler comes back in the second period. He gets uh, his third goal. You also have Perry in the second period getting his third goal. You have Richie getting the game winner. And, I mean, the Ducks just really took it to um, Vancouver, especially in the third period. They, I mean, they just really went at them. I mean, they dominated the shots in this game. They dominated the faceoffs again, uh, 65 to 35%. And I, I think this was the best game uh, that the Ducks played uh, this whole season, Eddie. Yeah, and like you said, Vancouver, they do come into this game with a great record. Uh, I mean, you, you don't want to say that a team with a 4-0-1 record isn't a good team. I think, you know, they've been a little bit lucky. They came into the, they won the first three games of the season without leading. Uh, they almost beat the the Kings with doing the same thing. Uh, but it, it is still an important win for the Ducks, and, and really no game is easy in the NHL. And, you know, I think it was big for Cogliano to, to go out and get that goal. And, and you really can't fault the Ducks on the two goals. I mean, there was a mistake at the blue line, which which gave Horvat the, the breakaway for the shorthanded goal. Uh, but then you look at Henrik Shadeen's goal, that goes in off, off Manson's skate, and there's not much they can do off that play. So I think, all in all, they had a great game. Like you said, they dominated in the shots. You know, they outshot them 37-19, to 19, and Vancouver blocked 21 shots, too. So there was a lot of shot attempts by the Ducks in this game. You know, They scored a power play goal. They dominated in hits. You know, they, they've been dominating the face-off circle. All season so far, you know, they won 65% of the draws this game. And, and like you said, I think this was just their best game of the season. Everything was going right for them. You know, Fowler continued his strong play. Getzlaff had a night with three assists. Richie gets his first goal. And you're getting goals from all across the lineup. So I think everything just clicked in this game. And hopefully we'll see that continue in these next few games. And hopefully, you know, they found their stride and, and you know, their style of play. You know, and part of this too uh, that changed it up was the uh, the Ducks lineup. You know, just before this game, uh, they sent uh, Raymond Larson and Sorensen down to the goals, and then they brought up Camarosa, Theodore, and Scarbosa. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, the Ducks changed it up a little bit. I know some people had mixed feelings about that. They they with Raymond, they were kind of like, okay, you send him down, but then people were like, well, why is Sorensen and Larson going down? You know, and then people were happy that Theodore was coming up. So there's all kinds of mixed reactions to this lineup change that kind of occurred, uh, you know, over this last weekend. But uh, it worked out for the Ducks. I mean, you had uh, Sarbosa and Camarosa in there. 
um, obviously Theodore as well. And um, maybe this is what's going to work, uh, you know, coming up in these uh, next home games. Uh, you know, one road game in San Jose, obviously. But, you know, after that, the home stand. Yeah, and I don't want to say that. You know, Scarbosa and Camarosa and, and Theodore coming up was the the reason that they won, and I don't think you're saying that either. I think it's just, you know, I th- I think it's just they've hit their stride. They're playing the right style. We've seen the style change. Obviously, in the first four games, that you know they were just they they were winning faceoffs, like you said, but they weren't keeping the puck. And you saw that in their possession numbers. You saw that in the style of play and, and how desperate they're getting late in games. And then from what we've seen, the the way they've changed their play and the way they've been, they've been playing the last few games, if they can keep that up, and and I, you know we have no reason to doubt that they that they can they can't keep that up right now. So um, I think these guys come up. It's good for them to get a shot. I, I you know we all thought Kramarosa probably would have started um, the season with the Ducks. You know obviously with Edom coming in and then Source and making the team is a little bit different. Um, but it's nice to see the Theodore up too. I think. You know, we all thought he would start the season with the Ducks. It was a big surprise that Larson came up, and you know, I think it, for his credit, he did play pretty well when he was up here too. Um, but it's nice to to have you know guys who can s- come into the lineup and and make a difference. I mean, we've got Sorensen down there, we've got Nason down there. You know, you've got Scarbosa, Cramerosa, like that guys you brought up. You've got Larson down there now. Montour's down there, and he's playing well. And you've got so many options; it makes it a lot easier. For for you know to fill holes if injuries come up and just to you know fill fill any holes with the roster and anything like that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you you got these guys, and I think you know part of the theme this season is we may see a lot of players go up and down between San Diego and Anaheim. So I mean, I would look for that. Uh, you know, uh, Raquel's coming back, so there'll probably be some more movement. Uh, he posted on his Instagram that he you know he was in a plane today. And uh, flying back, uh, uh, you know, as we uh, are assuming, you don't always want to assume, but we're pretty sure that that's what's going on. So he should be back with the team hopefully sometime this week, uh, maybe a little bit later on. We'll see. But uh, it's good to have him back, and we'll probably, you know, see some changes in the lineup a little bit. And we've got a lot of fan questions we're going to get to in a minute about all of this, and we'll talk about. But, you know, another thing that was impressive in this Vancouver win, uh, Eddie, was the Ducks won their 900th career you know, victory, um, that's pretty special. I mean, they've won 821 regular season games and 79 playoff games. So number 900, you know, a season opener, uh, a dominant performance over Vancouver. I mean, it was a good night all the way around for the Ducks. Yeah, and I, I think it's great to obviously get it in the home opener um, and then to have it as, like, you know, them starting what hopefully is, is a, a run of good form for them right now. I think it, you know, kind of just all culminates together. And you know it's a nice little uh, you know cherry on top of the, uh, of the cake right now to to add in there and just to have them to, you know to have their 900th franchise win and everything everything just go so well in, in that home opener. And I think another good thing too, which you know we talked about this last season, was uh, you know Corey Perry and the and the slow start. I mean the whole team had a slow start, but specifically you know Corey Perry had a really slow start last season, and and here you see him. You know he's already got three goals. Uh, he's now tied Korea on the all-time Ducks point list at 699. So it's good to see him get off to a good start as well. And uh, Getzoff, too. Getzoff's been playing well uh, to start this season so far, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, he's leading the league in assists right now, so he's not doing anything wrong. He's been shooting the puck more. Obviously, I mean, we saw in the first game he had 10 shots on goal. He's got 20 on the season right now, which is only three behind Corey Perry. So, I mean, he's doing something right. He's shooting the puck more. And obviously, I mean, nobody's ever questioning his his passing ability and the fact that he's leading the league right now in assists, and he's got eight points in his first six games. I think that's a testament to how 
how important he is to this team and how important it was for him to have a start like this. Um, you know, do we credit that to the World Cup of Hockey? I, it's kind of hard <laughs> to say. I think I think it helps them coming off playing some some meaningful hockey and, and being ready for the start of the season. But you know, we talked about how important these two guys are to the team last year, and then having them start so slow last year was a, a big reason that the Ducks ended up going. Um, one seven and two, I believe, to to start the season. So you know, having them leading the way, and, and you know, Cam Fowler too. To, you can't really, you can't really say anything bad about how he's playing. He's tied for the lead, or for the sorry, the lead with the uh, the Ducks and goalies. He's got three right now. Him and him, Perry and Coglano have three, and he's tied for with Perry for second in points with five. I mean, his start has been great too. So all three of those guys have been really important to the Ducks' success over these last two games. Yeah, and you know, with that, speaking about success and uh, kind of getting to the fan questions and whatnot, uh, you know, Richie scored his first goal, and we had Cameron ask if he can build off that goal, you know, and maybe get some success going for him, uh, as we've seen some of these other guys do. And I think it's a good question. I think that he can. I mean, he's been, you know, playing with the Twins, and I think he's been um, doing better. Uh, you know, he came up with that goal. And I do think he can build off of that. I mean, it's, it's it was a not only was it his you know first goal this season, but it was also a game winning goal. So I think that was really huge, and I, I think it gives him a little bit of confidence, Eddie. And I, I do think he'll be able to you know ha, you know have more success this season with the Ducks than he did last season. Yeah, I think so. And and you know he's been playing really well. The offense obviously just coming. Um, in this last game for him, I mean, he's been hitting everything that moves. He's got 24 hits on, on you know, in in only six games so far, uh, in this young season. So he he's doing really well in that department. Um, and you know, obviously having an assist so far, getting that goal last night, which actually was a really good effort from him, knocking out a midair. And you know, he does have 15 shots too, so he is shooting the puck. I think he's doing everything right. Uh, you know, I tweeted out, um, I think it was in the Philadelphia game that you know he's been really unlucky this season so far too. He's been in the right positions. Either the puck hasn't bounced to him or the goalie's made a great save on him. And I think he's going to eventually start getting those bounces if he keeps getting into the right positions. And I think the offense is going to come from, you know, do I think he's going to score 60, 70 points? No, for sure not. But I think if he can get, you know, 30 to 40 points, that's a big, big step up for him. Obviously, last year, where he only had four points in, in, in the 30 or so uh, odd games that he played. So I think... Um, you know, right now he's had a good start with the two points in six games, and if he can continue playing the way that he's playing right now, you know the the goals are going to come for him. Yeah, I agree, and and I think this rolls into the next question we had uh, coming from uh, another Cameron uh, Cameron Nava. This time asks us about you know how the Ducks have done so far this season. How well do you think they will do, and will they make the playoffs? <clears throat> and you know, before the season. We talked about this, and we thought that the Ducks, the Kings, and the Sharks would be in the top three, and that's how it would go. And obviously, things have changed a little bit. You know, Quick getting injured in L.A., uh, you know, Raquel and Lindholm, they're not with the team. I mean, you know, Raquel's on the way back and things like that. But I still do think that this team is a playoff team. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to be first or second. Uh, that's kind of my opinion right now. I mean, they've played well in these last two games. Obviously, this is just a snapshot. We've got a long, long way to go uh, throughout the season. But I do think the Ducks have a chance of making the playoffs. Um, I think they will, but my, my biggest concern is really them getting in the playoffs and then going from there. Um, you know, two years ago, came within one game of the Stanley Cup, and then last year booted out in the first round, kind of took a step back. So I, I think the key for the Ducks is if they stay healthy, 
can play like they have in these last two, three games, then yeah, I definitely think they'll make the playoffs. It's just a question of what they do from there. And, and you know, it's very, very early, very early. But I just in and what I've seen so far, yes, I'd say that they have a good chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think they do. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, we actually we had <laughs> our season preview and obviously had some issues with it and it never got out there. But we had the Ducks, Kings, and Sharks finishing one, two, three. Probably the Sharks finishing first and the Ducks and Kings finishing around that. Now we look at how Edmonton started so far, and uh, I mean it really looks like they're going to take that big step forward this year. They're five one and zero right now. They've been scoring goals for fun. Uh, their goaltending has been great. Their defense has been a lot better as well. So I mean they're going to be up there, and and you know with the Kings losing quick for for about three to four months, and, and then now losing Zakov for a couple weeks. I think they might struggle. I mean, they have won two games in a row, but I think it's going to be hard for them to keep it up. We saw Montreal last year, how much it meant to them in their season losing Carey Price. I mean, they started the season 9, I think it was 9-0-0, and they ended up collapsing without you know without Carey Price in net. So it will be interesting to see how long the Kings can you know sustain um, their success over the last few games and if they can continue to win games without Jonathan Quick. I think that's a, a you know a big boost for the Ducks for sure. You know, you never like to wish any injury on any players, but it you know it's it's hard to ignore that the fact it's going to be a big boost for the Ducks with the, the Kings not having Jonathan Quick. So I think it's up right now between um, the Ducks, the Sharks, uh, and and the Oilers, and I think that could be how it finishes. Um, you know, the the Sharks have lost two in a row. Ducks are on a two-game winning streak. Oilers on a three-game winning streak. And like you said, it is early. Um, but you know, from the way we've seen those three teams play, they look like the three biggest teams in the Pacific Division right now. So, you know, if the Ducks can continue this strong play as of late, and you know, find their identity throughout the season, get guys like Raquel back, get Lindholm back, um, you know, I think they they definitely have what it takes to make the playoffs. Yeah, and one thing you bring up in there is the Kings, and and it's interesting. You know, this last week uh, I went to uh, Fox Sports West uh, downtown LA, and I, I did uh, a show talking about the Ducks and the Kings on their. Uh, they have a Ten West podcast if you haven't heard about it, and we'll post a link accompanying this uh, our podcast, so you can go click on there. But we posted on the social media and whatnot too, and they talked about. Uh, you know their goalie situation too. They had a, a Kings blogger on there uh, and myself, so we went back and forth. But the latest thing that's kind of interesting that's linked the two teams together, and Cheryl asks about this, is whether or not the Kings are going to try and go after Bernier. You know, there's been reports out there. Um, you know, and she asks if it's true or false, and what you know what's going to happen, who would replace him, and how would it all work out if uh, the Ducks did do that. And, um, you know, I can't speak for the Kings organization. I, I don't know what they're thinking. Um, I, I would think that them going after Bernier would be something logical that would fit for them. But, you know, looking at the salary cap uh, and looking at cap friendly, they only have about a million in salary cap. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know for sure. But if I was to lean towards one way or another, I don't think the Ducks would do that trade. I really think that they would keep Bernier. Um, you know, he's done well so far. I mean, it's only really been one game, but I, I don't think that they would do that. I mean, they could, they could do that and then pull up someone from San Diego, but I kind of lean on the side more of, I don't think the Ducks will make that deal with LA. No, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, it's easy. It's easy to say that the Kings would look at Bruin. Yeah, I mean, they're looking at anybody right now. Pavlik is, is playing in the minus for Winnipeg. I'm sure they've looked at him. Um, you know, I'm sure they've looked at. Uh, you know, obviously, they haven't looked at guys like Fleury and Bishop. They're looking for more 
short-term fixes for them. I'm sure they've looked at as many options as they can right now, especially with, with Jeff Zakoff going down for at least a week right now with a, what I believe is a groin injury as well. So, I mean, they're definitely looking at some options, but, you know, for one, they I don't think they can take on the $4 million that Bernier has. Uh, they'd have to be sending a body back the other way, which I know they don't really want to do. Um, and the Ducks need Jonathan Bernier right now. I, I mean, they've got John Gibson, obviously, and he'll probably play a majority of the games this season around 50 games. Um, but if you take away Jonathan Bernier, you've got, you know, I've got Matt Hackett. Uh, you know, you don't have you have Dustin Tokarski. You don't have many options as strong as Jonathan Bernier to, to fill that backup role. And I think they brought him in and they made that trade to to be the main backup for John Gibson. So, no, I, I don't think there's any real merit behind uh, that story, behind the, the Kings going after Bernie, other than the fact that the Kings need a goalie. He used to play there. Uh, I think that's the only real link to it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just that you know, it's prior time playing there. Um, but you know, along the theme of the goalies, we had another question. You know, uh, Frederick asks us about you know what's our honest opinion on on the Ducks goalie situation. Who do we think looked stronger? And you know, I would say in the first couple games, I probably would say Bernier looked better. Uh, you know, Gibson didn't play particularly well in the first game. Um, you know, the second game he did better. So in the first you know first couple games, I would say Bernier looked better. But if you look at the last couple games, uh, you know Gibson's looked very strong. Um, you know he played well in Vancouver. Uh, the two goals he gave up weren't necessarily his fault. Uh, you go back to the Philly game too. Uh, you can't really uh, blame him so much in that game either. I, I think he's played better. So I mean, of the two, uh, right now I would say Gibson's played better. And like you pointed out, I think the Ducks they need both of these guys. I mean, you know, this week they're going to be playing back to back with uh, San Jose and Nashville. You're going to most likely see both of them playing in those games. And I just don't think there's anybody else the Ducks can bring up that they can rely on enough to give Gibson a, a break throughout the regular season. No, and I think, I think you know, with Bernie only playing one game and, and Gibson playing five right now, uh, I think it's hard to judge who's been better. I know Bernie looked really, really good in the game that he did play in, and that's not to say John Gibson's looked bad either. You know, I mean, his numbers aren't great. He's only got a .891 save percentage. His goals against average is at 2.6 right now, but he's only played five games, and, it, and it's hard to judge his play on that. I think he's been solid at times. There are a couple times where he's made a couple mistakes. There are other times where he's been left out you know, to dry. We saw that last night with the, the Horvat breakaway. Got really unlucky last night as well with the the goal for that Hendrik Sedin scored off Manson skate. So I think all around he's been he's been good enough. He, I think he can be better. I think we all know he can can be better. We saw how he played last season. Um, I think he's just gonna have to adapt to being the number one guy, and that might take a little bit. But I think he's been good enough for the Ducks to win games this season. And I think having a guy like Jonathan Bernier back there behind him is definitely helpful. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's the way the Ducks are going to roll. They're going to roll with both. Uh, you know, obviously Gibson's going to play the majority, but Bernier is going to give them enough time there, and I think that's the key. And that's also why I don't think the Ducks will make any kind of move with LA. Um, yeah, along with some of the other players, uh, you know, we've had some more news about Raquel and Lindholm, and of course we've got fan questions about both of them. So you know, we'll start out with Raquel. Um, we have uh, a couple questions here. We have uh, Braden asks about you know how, what kind of impact will Raquel have on the lineup. Uh, we have Eddie asks, uh, kind of similar, what role or line will Raquel play in the Ducks? And I think this is a very interesting question because, as we talked about earlier, you look at the Ducks, you look at their face-off percentages. 
um, Getzloff, Vermitt, and Kessler are just killing it. Uh, you know, they're they're getting between 57 and 67, and you know, faceoff percentage efficiency. All three of them have been doing extremely well. And then you look at Wagner. Wagner's at 44 percent. And you look at uh, Raquel over, over his uh, career, you know, and he's around 46, 47 percent. So it raises an interesting question uh, with Raquel flying back now uh, and hopefully joining the team later this week. Where will he be? Um, there's a couple options here, Eddie. I mean, he, he could go on the fourth line and play center and then Wagner goes over to the wing. Or maybe he plays wing with uh, either, you know, Getzloff and Perry or maybe with Vermint. And Wagner stays at the fourth line. And that's kind of what I lean towards. I think Raquel is more likely to play the wing spot. I mean, the good thing is, is he can do either or. But I just I don't know if uh, Raquel and Carlisle are going to want to you know see him on that fourth line being the center. I, I think they would want him you know on one of the other three lines where he could generate more offense. Yeah, and you know normally I would agree. I, I really do think he needs to be in our top six. Uh, but with the way Richie has played on that top line, and obviously with the way Cogliano and Kessler and Silverberg have played over the last season and this season, it doesn't really look like those guys could be split apart. I think if you look at one thing that, that might tell you a little bit about where Raquel plays, if you look at last night's game, Wagner actually played on the, the right wing uh, on the third line last night, and, and Scarbosa and Cramarosa actually took most of the draws on that fourth line. Uh, that might tell you something of where Raquel could play. Obviously, when Raquel comes back, we'll see one of those guys, either Scarbosa or Cramarosa, go down. Um, and maybe Raquel actually slots in on the third line center and you see Vermette move down. There, That is a possibility there, too. Uh, but you know, there's always a chance that he might go back. He might go up on the top line and play with uh, with Getzlaff and Perry. Um, I, we we said it could anything could happen with that second line, but it looks like they're staying together for the foreseeable future. So I think if they bump him all the way down to the third line, I would expect him to either play on the wing with Vermette, like you said, or to play center and and push Vermette down. I think they have those options right now. I think with them pushing Wagner to the wing for the last game to, to bring up guys like Scorbosa and Cramrosa. I think that tells a little bit, but we won't really know until he suits up for his first game and, you know, and then they announce the lineups. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you're right there. I think that he would, you know, be on the third line with Vermette, you know, in a wing capacity or either he plays the third line center and Vermette plays the fourth line center. I, I think it's, it's gotta be something like one of those two things. I mean, obviously anything can change or happen, but I think you're right. The top two lines, uh, the way they've been doing, and, and that's another uh, fan question we had from Chad. He asked about if Getzloff and Perry would stay together, and I think they will. I, I think you're right. I think they keep Richie with Getzloff and Perry. They keep the Kessler line with Cognano and Silverberg together, and I, I really think it's the third and the fourth lines that they're going to shuffle around. Um, that's what I would do. I, that's how I would play it. You got the top two lines. Um, you know, It's only been a couple games, but they're doing well. I, don't mess with it. I would say leave it alone. And, you know, try uh, Raquel with Vermette or, uh, you know, put Raquel at center and Vermette on the fourth line. Uh, something like that. I, I think it's got to come down to, you know, the bottom six, unfortunately. But, you know, the, with the way the Ducks played last year and the way that they're going to play this year, um, I, you know, the Ducks don't really ha- – I mean, it's like they have a bottom six, but they really don't. It's just kind of weird. The Ducks have those top three lines and they rotate them around so evenly. It's it's hard. It's not they're not like a traditional team. You know what I mean, Eddie? It's just different. So, 
even though he would probably be in a bottom six role, it's not really like that. It's more of a it's more of a you know a third line role, I would say. Yeah, and he's still going to get eighteen minutes a night, most likely, if not more, if you factor in power play time. Uh, you would expect him to still play a lot. He's an important player to this team. No matter where he plays, he's going to play a lot for for the Ducks. So I, I don't see an issue that being that there. I think one thing that's nice that we don't have to worry about this year is we don't have to worry about lines being juggled when the Ducks are playing well. You'd expect them when they come out and line up against San Jose after the, the great game they had against Vancouver, you'd expect them to have very similar lines unless Raquel is ready to play. I'm not sure when he is scheduled to return. I, I doubt he makes an appearance tomorrow. Uh, I mean, like you you uh, mentioned today and you uh, tweeted out that uh, off his Instagram that he is on a plane. Uh, we assume he's on a plane back to Anaheim after signing a contract, and everything should be good. We, I, I'm not sure where he is, um, you know, in regards to his health right now. Um, but you know, when he does come back in the lineup, if the Ducks are still playing well, you would expect the lineups to stay the same this year. And that's something different, obviously. We're not really used to with the way Boudreaux would swap lines around uh, over the last few seasons. So it's it's kind of nice not for us not to really have to to predict and, and say oh you got to wait and see now. If they're playing well, he's definitely going to play uh, not on those top two lines you would expect. So you know we'll have to see. I think they keep Getzlaff and Perry together for now. They've been playing well. It's important to keep them playing well together. Um, we've talked about how well the Clark Lano, Silverberg, and Kessler line gels together, and if they keep playing well, they're going to stay together. I agree, and we're just going to have to wait and see this week when Raquel gets back and see what happens. But I, I agree with you, and I think he'll you know, be in that third or fourth line role. Uh, going with that, going over to his buddy, of course, everybody wants to know about Lindholm, and there's been a lot of uh, news about uh, Lindholm recently about whether or not he's going to be traded, uh, if he's going to be resigned. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on, and uh, part of this equation is uh, Simone Dupre was placed on the long-term IR. So the Ducks got back uh, a little over 3.3 or 3.4 million, uh, according to Cap Friendly, the way that the numbers broke down. Um, so the the Ducks got more room there. Uh, they still haven't put uh, Nate Thompson on the long-term injury reserve, which is a question we got about from Patrick. He asked if the Ducks are going to do that and try and keep Lindholm and not trade Fowler. Um, you know, it's it's a valid point. I mean, they definitely could try and do that. We talked about this on the last show because if uh, Nate Thompson goes on the IR, that's another 1.6, 1.5. So I would put Ducks, you know, in that area. It would be close, uh, maybe not quite, but – I think that the Ducks would try to work it out and re-sign him, um, and I, I think that they wouldn't try to trade him. Uh, at least that's the indication I got from uh, the, our GM, Bob Murray, yesterday. He talked to me a little bit, and uh, he's he's pretty adamant about trying to get him re-signed, and I think that's the direction they're going to go. I mean, could he be traded? Of course he could be traded, but uh, I, I would think the Ducks would try to keep him first, Eddie, before going that route. Yeah, for sure. You would expect them to keep him. I mean, he is arguably their best defenseman. Um, I mean, you can with the way Fowler's played to start this season, you could throw him into that mix for sure. And and it, it you know that also does make things a lot harder for them. He was a guy that was mentioned and and uh, you know we've mentioned before too as the most likely guy to be traded. Um, you know, he has put up five points, three goals in his first six games, and he's been the Ducks' best defenseman by a mile so far. Um, it's hard to, to really say what's going to happen. I mean, we don't want to see Lindholm be traded. 
Um, you know, they like you said, they freed up some cap space with Dupre. You know, t- obviously temporarily, um, and only until he's healthy again. Um, they have the option to do that with Nate Thompson, which frees up some space. Um, but if you do sign do if you do sign Lindholm, something still has to be done. That doesn't that hasn't changed. Uh, I mean, there there still has to be a move that's going to be made on the blue line for the Ducks. There's no getting around that. If Lindholm signs, there's a there's a logjam. I mean, there's already a logjam on the blue line without him, and then when he comes back, he's obviously going to play, and that changes some things for the Ducks. Obviously, Theodore can be sent down, um, but you know, even with him being sent down, there there is still some issues for the Ducks there, and it'll be interesting to see how they do this now. It, Fowler starting so well just throws a whole nother wrench in, into this whole situation that we've been dealing with over the the last few months of the whole summer and now into the start of the season. And it just gets crazier every time we talk about it every week. And, I mean, now with Fowler playing well, contract's still not signed. Apparently they're down to what looks to be about $250,000 be, you know, between the team and, and, and the player and the agent. So it's getting closer, um, but, I mean, it, it's tough to say when it's actually going to get done. Yeah, and the other issue here too, and this was, you know, I was asked of this on the Fox Sports West podcast, is, you know, what if the Ducks do put Nate Thompson on long-term injury reserve and they already have to pray there, you know, do you try and uh, re-sign Lindholm, get the deal done, uh, knowing that that's a short-term fix? Because, you know, obviously uh, you're going to have to bring uh, at least Nate Thompson back at some time. And that's going to, you know, put you over the cap. Dupree, uh, you know, unfortunately, his status is completely up in the air. Um, you know, I feel bad for the guy. I don't know what's going to happen to him. I, I don't know um, if he if he's going to come back or when he's going to come back. I don't even want to speculate because I, I just don't know. But um, unfortunately, if the Ducks do all these moves and try and do this and send some players down and, and, and rearrange some things, they could definitely get it done, I think, to, to bring Lindholm in. Uh, like you said, it's going to be a log jam on the blue line, but then they're going to have problems a few you know months down the road. They're going to have to figure out what they're going to do uh, when you know Thompson comes back, and then with the Bray situation, which I mean, it could be a whole host of things. And like I said, I don't want to speculate, but there there could be a lot of things going on with the Bray right now. We just know that he's out; he's not ready to go. It looks like he may be experiencing some of the stuff he had from before, and it's just it's just a you know unfortunate situation for him. So. Uh, I would try and get that done, and that's what I talked about on, on on their show too. But unfortunately, it's it's not a permanent solution, Eddie. So the Ducks are still trying to work this out, and um, you know, unless a trade is made, that I, I would try and get it done, and then maybe you try and get a trade done before the uh, the trade deadline. Yeah, it, it makes it the most likely option right now that we see Thompson go on the the long term injured reserve, and, and that some space is freed up to to sign Lindholm. Uh, that seems to stand as the most likely option right now. Then they have a little bit more time to judge what they want to do in regards to a trade. But we don't know how long Dupre is going to be out. Uh, I mean, he could be out for the whole season. He could be out till the trade deadline. He could come back in a couple weeks. I, I mean, with a concussion, you really never know. We see Sidney Crosby is practicing again, and he's almost ready to come back uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, uh, I mean you really just don't know when he'll be ready to come back. So it it gives you that short-term option, but for you know for a GM, you don't know how short-term or if it's going to be a long-term decision. And really, it doesn't relieve that much stress, I think, for, for Bob Murray. He's still going to have to make a deal. Um, they've got some short-term t- solutions that they can really use and utilize right now. 
Uh, but something's going to have to happen. And, and we've mentioned this multiple times. You know, when Dupre comes back, is any team really going to want to trade for him? Uh, a guy who's had that many concussions at such a young age in such a physically demanding uh, position. And even, you know, he's the way he plays the game is, is physically demanding too. Um, it's just tough. It's tough to say what they're going to do right now. You know, Fowler's done nothing but up his trade value, so there's the option there, and there's always the dreaded option of also trading Hampus Lindholm, which we mentioned a couple minutes ago. So there, there's there's many different ways the Ducks could go at this right now, and uh, you know we're just gonna have to to wait and see what kind of rabbit Bob Murray pulls out of his hat. Yeah, and along with that too, you know, we heard from uh, Bob McKenzie too about you know the Ducks possibly trading to a team in in the East. You know, so some of those teams, you know, have popped up. You know, those names. Uh, you know, Detroit had been there before. You know, Buffalo. Uh, I recently heard a New York uh, uh, Rangers name come up too, as well. So there, there's a lot of these that have come up. Nothing solid. Nothing you know legitimate. But I mean, there's talks of these other teams expressing interest, and. It's going to be um, interesting to see if it comes down to a Lindholm or a Fowler type situation. What do they do? I mean, it's a tough situation for Bob Murray, and uh, I hope he gets it resolved because I, I know he's he's gotten uh, unwanted uh, messages this week, unfortunately. So I'm hoping that it gets done and he gets it resolved, and then all of us can relax and go on with the season, uh, at least on that front, and, and you know hope the Ducks carry on the momentum. So that's where we're at. We'll see what happens. And uh, keep you updated on all of that. Um, we have one more interesting fan question. Um, I, I thought this one, you know, people had commented on this as well, Eddie, is uh, uh, Matt asks us about David Perron and how he, uh, you know, how we felt about him getting a hat trick in St. Louis. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm happy for the guy. I'm glad he got the hat trick. I mean, he, he didn't want to stay. He wanted to go to St. Louis. Uh, you know, because Matt asks if, if we're depressed about it. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I wish he was on our team, of course, especially, you know, the Ducks can use a, you know, a 20 goal potential scorer. But, uh, I, you know, he, he's doing good over there in St. Louis. And you know what? I, I'm happy for him. over there. That's where he wanted to be. And, and that's what he's going to, you know, do for the rest of the season or at least the next couple. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm bummed, like you said, just because it would be nice to have him on the team. He, like you said, he's a guy who can score 20 goals. He, he scored a hat-trick, so he's a guy that can come out and do that. So, I mean, you, you, you're obviously going to miss a guy like that on your team. But the way he left is, is fine by me. I mean, he's going back to the team where he started at, where he wants to be, you know, where he played a lot of seasons at. So he's going back to, to them, and, and I think that's fair enough. That, that's a, a good reason to want to go back to a team. And, and it's nice to see him do well there, obviously. I mean, you know, hopefully he doesn't do it against us when we play St. Louis, but you know, <laughs> it's it's nice to see him do well and, and, and play well um, and help St. Louis win some games. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, good for him, and, and hopefully hopefully we can find something that can do that for us. I agree. And, uh, yeah, I hope he doesn't do well when we play him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, with that, I do want to mention uh, Sons of Hockey is uh, sponsoring this podcast as they've done the last one and the next couple. Uh, if you get a chance, check out their hockey T-shirts. You can go to sonsofhockey.com. They're also donating some money to uh, fight cancer, which obviously is a good cause. And uh, I, myself and I know a lot of other people out there have people you either know or people that know of people that have been affected by it. So check them out, uh, sonsofhockey.com. They're uh, big supporters of us, and we are as of them as well. So uh, if you get a chance, uh, visit sonsofhockey.com. Uh, with that, we're going to finish up the podcast with a couple things here. Uh, one is the, uh, the Alumni Heritage uh, Classic game 
we had uh, Solani play in this game, and uh, he did pretty good. I mean, uh, you know, obviously it's not you know necessarily uh, you know current players, but it was kind of an exciting game, Eddie. Uh, he had a couple goals, you know, penalty shots, uh, some assists. He had five total points. Uh, it was good to see him out there. It was, you know, uh, something fun for uh, you know people that could uh, watch it if you were able to do so. Yeah, you know, I caught a little bit of it, and, and obviously he was the hero in this game. I think they they might have generously awarded him with that penalty shot at the end of the game there for, for the Winnipeg <laughs> home fans. But I I think I think he'll take that. Any, <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> I think he'll take that any day of the week. And I mean, he comes out. And he does what only Team Solani can do, and he scores five points and and leads the the team to victory against. I mean, one of the the greatest teams to ever be assembled in the Edmonton Oilers. You get Gretzky and Messier and and the guys on that team. So, I mean, this is it's all for fun. It's not it's not a serious game or anything like that. It's obviously nice to see him do well. I mean, he mentioned in a, an interview at the end of the game that it would just take him a couple weeks and and he'd be ready to go. I mean, obviously we know that's a little bit different when we talked to him before. He he seems to be enjoying his time in retirement. So I think he he's not coming back anytime soon. So, but it's nice to see him play again. Nice to see all those guys play, and obviously, you know, just a fun event for everybody involved. Yeah, and I, I joked on Twitter, you know, he got the key to the city of Winnipeg. So I said, hey, let's give him the key to Anaheim. Why not, right? <laughs> well, if anybody <laughs> so, deserves it, it's him, right? So. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, just all kidding aside, yeah, I mean, it's good to see him play. And obviously, he's, you know, joking around saying he'd be back in two weeks and whatnot. And, you know, try not to read into it too much. You know, I, I don't see that happening. Like you said, he was on our podcast, uh, you know, right after um, when we had the uh, – the uh, game, the charity game uh, during the uh, summer. So he came on there and talked to us a little bit about that. Um, so, you know, that's not his intent. He's happy with retirement and, and that's what's going to happen. But uh, we wish him well. It's always good to see his updates. He had a funny post if you missed it on his Instagram where he, te- he teed off on a golf ball in the Honda Center ice, which that was pretty funny as well. Um, so he's been posting some stuff and he's been having a good time. And he's always, you know, uh, a fan favorite forever in Anaheim. So, uh, check out his Instagram and his Twitter if you if you haven't. Uh, you know, I try to catch up on some of the stuff and post it and and get everybody involved on those uh, funny moments he has. But um, with that, you know, the Ducks uh, are going to try and continue their momentum. Uh, they built up the two wins. Uh, we've got some more games this week. Uh, they're going to go on a short road trip to uh, San Jose to play the Sharks. Then they're going to come back home the next night, play Nashville, and then they're going to play Columbus. Uh, you know, in this next three four days here, so. A little bit of a interesting schedule. Um, these three teams are, are not doing, you know, great. They're not doing poorly. They're, you know, playing 500 or right around there. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the, the Ducks handle the goalie situations we talked about. If Gibson's going to go in San Jose or Nashville or Bernier, vice versa. Uh, obviously, we'll probably find out during the morning skate before the San Jose game. But uh, of these three games, I think the Ducks should be able to win two out of three. Uh, you know, we said that last week and they won two out of three. Uh, I think that the big game that's going to really start off the week and see how it goes, Eddie, is really going to be the Shark game because, you know, you go back to that preseason game, <laughs> the Ducks and the Sharks went at it, and, you know, the, they've gone at it for the last couple seasons. And it's been kind of interesting. You know, people talk about rivalries and they talk about the Ducks and the Kings, but, you know, I look at the Sharks game, and this this might be a pretty tough game because uh, the Ducks and the Sharks really don't like each other, Eddie. Yeah, and... and- you know what the scary thing is too is the Sharks the whole, as a team haven't got going yet. I mean Brent Burns and Pavelski they've been good so far, but you know Marlowe and Thornton and Couture they haven't got going yet. So this is 
sort of a sleeping giant, and you know you don't want to catch them at the wrong time where they're going to start going on roll. They've lost two in a row, uh, so they're going to be angry, and they're going to be playing at home for only the second time this season. So it's going to be a big game for the Ducks, and I think you know you got to win this one and set the tone for the rest of the the next two games. Obviously, you get to play against Nashville and Columbus in Anaheim, but I think this is a big game for them. Um, and obviously, getting a big win and then going into the, your your home barn the next night is huge for them too. But you know, this is going to be a tough one. Uh, nasty games in the preseason, first meeting this season so far. You're playing in the Shark Tank, which is going to make it even nastier when you're playing on the road. So, I think it's an important game for them. Um, you know, this is going to be, I think, the closest one out of the three. Uh, I, I mean, you know, this is they're they're healthy. They're waiting to get going. I think this is going to be a tough one. Uh, obviously playing Nashville, who are a very good team. You're playing them the night after, playing such a physical and what we expect to be such a rough game. Um, Nashville's you know, struggling with a little bit of issues of their own right now. They're, they're going through uh, a bad case of food poisoning where a lot of their players are, are out right now, and they had to call up actually five guys uh, from their AHL team. Uh, Ryan Johansson seems to be uh, struck with the food poisoning. We've got Craig Smith. Apparently, there's a, a rumor that possibly either Pekka Rene or Merrick Mazanek have food poisoning as well. And, uh, you know, obviously a, a slew of other guys might have it uh, in that locker room uh, as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how they line up come that game. Um, they might have a lot of key guys out too. Obviously, you know, the newly acquired P.K. Subban is going to be healthy and playing in that game. Uh, Roman Yossi, they've still got some threats. Philip Forsberg, obviously James Neal. So it's always going to be a tough game. Um, and then lastly, you got Columbus, who, I, I mean, a lot of people think they're they're going to be a really <laughs> bad team this year. I think I might be one of the only people to think they might be trending upwards. They've won their last two games after starting 0-2, and, and they beat Dallas, actually, the other night, 3 yeah. nothing. So they look to be going in the right direction. They've got the Kings coming up tomorrow. Um, and I think their next game after that, obviously, is against us. So it'll be interesting to see what type of Columbus team we end up facing. Um, and I think they're all going to be tough games. I think the Columbus game we should be winning. Um, I think, you know, Nashville and, and San Jose are going to be the two tough games uh, of this um, of this next well, of this week coming up. Obviously, playing Nashville on a back-to-back is going to be tough too. But I think if we can win two out of three, like you said, you know, obviously, winning two out of three is always good for them, and and we they did that the other week, uh, the, or this last week that we talked about. So, I think it'll be big for them. Uh, it's it's a big next three games to get about five hundred. So hopefully they can come out, and next time we have the podcast, they'll be sitting somewhere around five hundred. Well, you know what? I, I this is the question I have: is when Nashville comes to town, are we going to feed them raw catfish? <laughs> I mean, is is that why they had the food poisoning? I mean, remember they were throwing it on the ice against us last year, and they thought it was so funny during the playoffs, you know, the catfish on the ice, ha, ha, ha. I mean, uh, what's going on? I mean, I, I wonder what they ate. Maybe, uh, maybe they shouldn't have thrown that catfish. You know, maybe, maybe that's <laughs> that what's going on. That might be the issue. Uh, become our friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've, they've <laughs> got four days of rest right now. They're coming off playing... Pittsburgh on the 22nd, so they got four days of rest, so so they might all be healthy, but if it is a catfish, that, that, that might be an issue they've got to sort out there. Okay, so we need to make some, we got to go catch some more catfish and make some more for them. No, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no but in all seriousness, yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. It's weird to see a team go through that. So uh, hopefully, I know the Ducks have had, uh, um, excuse me, uh, you said Nashville had some time off when they come to play the Ducks, so you know, maybe maybe they won't be 100% still. I don't know. We'll have to see. So I, I think you're right, though. I think them getting off to a good start against San Jose, if they can catch Nashville 
you know, with, with their issues of, of their catfish issues, maybe they can, you know, win that one. And then, uh, like you said, Columbus has been trending upward, you know, uh, like you said, they beat a Dallas team three zero. I mean, it's, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's Dallas, it's not uh, just anybody. And, you know, uh, Dallas has been, um, you know, they're doing okay, uh, this season, but, uh, I, I think it'll be two out of three is what I predict for the Ducks. I, I think that um, if they can beat San Jose, I think they're in a, a good shape to win all three. Uh, but if not, I think it'll be two out of three this week, Eddie. And like you said, hopefully maybe the Ducks, uh, the next podcast we do, they'll they'll be above 500. Um, but the San Jose game this week, it's probably the key matchup. And the reason why is the Ducks are one point besi- behind them. And obviously it's a four-point game. So if the Ducks can win and leapfrog them there and be ahead by a point, that it would be fantastic. We don't want to go to overtime, and obviously we don't want to lose in any fashion. So uh, of the three games, that is the most important game. And obviously we have to keep out for uh, an eye out for Raquel and see when he comes back. And I think that's another key this week, Eddie. Yeah, and, and you know, it is a four-point game. Obviously it's early, and, you know, it, it might not have no – Right now, it might not look like it has any bearing on the standings, but you know when we look back on this near the end of the season and we see where the Sharks are, where the Ducks are, then these all these games matter when you play the Kings and the Sharks and the, the Canucks like last night and even the Oilers as well. These are all important games. You play these teams so often, and to be able to take two points off them and, and, and leapfrog them in the standings is going to be huge. So anytime you play them, it is a big game. Um, and, you know, like you said, uh, hopefully... We don't expect him to be ready for tomorrow. I think uh, if we can see him against Columbus, uh, talking about Raquel, obviously, see him against Columbus, I think that will be huge for him. If not, uh, I know the Ducks have, I believe it's three days of rest after the Columbus game, so hopefully, if not, Columbus in the game after that. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, as the updates come, we'll be posting them. Um, we gave away some fan, uh, one, uh, two tickets to one fan uh, on the opening day uh, game. So those people had some great time. We'll be giving away more stuff throughout the season. Uh, also, check out our shirts as well um, on tpnhockey.com. Uh, the shirts have now been dropped uh, to $9.99 or less. Trying to clear out some of the stuff so we can make some uh, newer stuff. So check that out as well. And uh, with that, we'll be back next week, and let's go Ducks.